to Exploring the Divine Feminine. I am your host, Ramona Sidaway, and this is episode 39. I talk about all things related to the feminine divine within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love talking about anything about the feminine divine in the scriptures and as children of our heavenly parents. I talk about Mother in Heaven the priesthood, priesthood and women. And I am very excited for you to join me for this episode. This is part three, where we are talking about um, the priesthood, resurrection, marriage, how it all ties into unity and Zion. Now, the last episode, we talked about the uh, resurrection, women in the resurrection, Abish, Mary, and Jesus. Today, I wanted to discuss about this Um, come full circle and talk about the idea of unity and Zion. Marriage is often referred to as two people willing to make compromises. One wins, then lets the other win. Now, this does not sound very satisfying, nor does it sound celestial. Now, I don't want to want you to make a mistake in what I am saying here. It's not that compromises are bad, but well, let me tell you what my husband and I, we recently came across, it was in an article or an essay about how instead of compromises, there needs to be a consensus. Now, this article is mostly about councils, but the husband wife team can be the most powerful council there is. And this is how I envision our heavenly parents working together. There is absolutely no spur of the moment decision-making where only one of the two is authorized or can feasibly make a a quick decision, right? There's no quick decisions. I've always maintained that, at least with earthly marriages, that 99% of that is either poor planning on both spouses or unrighteous dominion. Neither spouse, husband or wife, should be giving away their power and the other should never be usurping it. That is not presiding. That is not leadership. That is not teamwork. That is not how our heavenly parents work. When we talk about compromises, it always just feels like, um, I mean, it can be a good thing. Don't don't get me wrong, a worthwhile endeavor and it works out. For instance, we, I don't like pest control in terms of the the nasty uh, spray that they use. It just, it gives me a headache and I just don't feel like it's good for, for humans. For a long time, we didn't do any pest control. I did natural things. Well, we now live out in the country and there are a ton of ants and um, other creepy crawly things that is a lot more heavily, we're heavily inundated with them, um, more so than when we lived in the city, we did compromise. Um, my husband said, well, let me just do the outside and we won't do the inside. So it won't be affected at all. And then of course there were areas like I didn't want them to go around my garden and cause there's good pests and, um, we have bees. So nothing around the bees and nothing around the chickens he was able to prevent some of the nastier stuff from coming in. And then I didn't have to deal with that feeling of toxic substances in our home. So in a, in a sense, that was a compromise, but I also felt like that was more of a consensus because I didn't feel like I was giving up something. 
And um, it may have felt more like a compromise for my husband because he would just douse the whole freaking property and the whole house with whatever chemicals there was because he is not a bug lover. And I'm not a bug lover either, but I do recognize that there are positive insects and positive bugs and that there is a delicate ecosystem. And I, I like to try and keep that ecosystem as balanced as possible without the toxic chemicals. And um, I try and do natural things, but that is just an example. And it's so much easier if we can come to a consensus of like, you know what, that feels good. That feels good for both of us. And we're glad that we came to a decision in that way. And we've done this with, with several things, not everything. We're still working on it. Now, there is a scripture in the Pearl of Great Price that has always fascinated me and somewhat applies here. And I'll explain how. In Abraham 4, verse 18, we read this verse in the chapter about the gods creating the earth and those things tied to it. Quote, and the gods watched those things which they had ordered until they obeyed, close quote. Now, there's two concepts that pop up for me with this. Number one, they work together. So there's not one entity making a quick decision of what to do or where to put something. It was a well thought out plan that we know had been executed many times before and that the gods knew and worked and they planned it out ahead of time. Number two, the gods watched until they obeyed the gods who have all power and authority did not force even the elements to do their bidding. They watched and they waited and we don't have any idea how long was it a millennia, 10 minutes. So my point here is not about the obedience part when it comes to partnerships between men and women, especially in marriage, but about patiently waiting and watching until a consensus is agreed upon because the relationship matters more than the the decision, feelings and feelings of being heard and understood. Trust me, I am in no way suggesting that this is easy or that it doesn't take a relative amount of practice and skill. There's a saying that you can only hike as fast as the slowest hiker. So in a marriage, when you're yoked together, there cannot be one taking the lead or making a quick decision because what are you going to do is one ox going to drag the other one along. Nobody's that strong. No ox is that strong. You have to go together underneath that yoke, go side by side. And the one that's the slowest really sets the pace. We have to have a relative amount of, of patience and wait until you're both on the same page. Sometimes it's much faster. Sometimes you're both on the same page just automatically, but in every marriage, there are different opinions, different viewpoints, different quirks, and some have viewpoints that are totally different than the other person's. One is not right or wrong, but they're just different. But it, it is so worth it to take that time. We were, um, we just finished putting up a shed and what is exciting about that? Um, it took us well over a year because, um, Besides getting the bid, you know, we had somebody come out, give us a bid, and we kept vacillating on where to put this shed on our property. I didn't want it within view of the back 
um, our back windows that just show our little forest behind. And he wanted it. He didn't want it at a place that was too far away for him because he's going to park his truck for him to walk from that shed into the house. So we kept going back and forth on which spots and we, we knew the pros and cons of either one, but when we both decided on the best place for it, um, when we really, we knew when there was consensus and we, I did not want him to compromise or to feel like he was compromising and vice versa, because a shed is a permanent building. It's not like, oh, this doesn't look great here. Let's pick it up and move it over a few inches, or let's move it to the other side of the house. We had to be fairly certain about where we wanted it and feel very comfortable on for both of us. That took us some time just figuring out where to put it. And we were so happy with where it ended up and so grateful that we both waited for that consensus. My husband and I have been married 38 years and we are still working on our council. This idea of a consensus was huge to both of us, even after 38 years. And it is really cool when you can find a new hack for something. I am very much into productivity information management because as a researcher and a writer, I need to, I just, I love researching faster, better, more efficient ways to either write or store my information, how to access it quickly, et cetera. And so I have perfected my day planner over a series of years. The idea of having hacks to decrease friction in my time. It's the same thing with marriage, anything that we can come up with that helps us decrease the friction in our marriage is absolutely 100% worth it. And finding a way to come to a consensus about something is, is huge. We have had a motto over our, over our marriage that if either one of us is feeling pressured to do something, to make a decision quickly that the answer will always be no. It's just bottom line. We we did this mostly within the context of pushy salesmen and our buyer's remorse after jumping into something, after feeling pressured, or like we had a narrow window of time to make that decision or we'd lose out forever. And I think all of us have had, had those experiences in our life, whether it's purchasing a vehicle or um, buying a house or even something in a store or, you know, the, on Amazon, that countdown, when you see that this deal is going to end in a certain amount of time. And even though you might have hours, the fact that you see that clock counting down is a huge successful tactic for people purchasing things. They feel that pressure. We are now applying that to our marriage. We have agreed that we're just going to have to table a discussion or a decision until, until there is a joint decision. It has made a big difference, but we are still refining it. We are both so independent and bold, and that is it's taking some tweaking on both of our personalities, but our marriage has been so much more worth than taking a chance on compromising our relationship over whether or not to 
spray for bugs inside or out, like I, I talked about, or where to put our shed, what lamps to buy, what, what paint color to use in our home. We've had to wait and watch patiently until we both felt right about a decision rather than one of us compromising just to avoid a dis disagreement. I will give one caveat to this. Um, there are times, well, many times actually, where one of us, um, both of us at one point have decided, okay, I don't 100% want this uh, particular, whether it's paint color, let's use that as, as an example, but I trust you and let's try it. If it's something like a paint color, if you, if you hate the, the, the paint when it comes up on the wall, all you're out is the money that you needed to buy that paint and or hire somebody to paint it. It's not like the shed, correct? So when my husband decided we would, we both decided we wanted to repaint the inside of our home. And this has been a couple of years ago and everything when we purchased it, everything was in the, the usual beige color. He always wanted to try gray and the homes that I've been in that had gray, I was not fond of. And it took me a while, but I thought, you know what, let's try it. He kind of let me lead on picking the paint chips on which grays, which, you know, the saturation of it. Um, and it ended up being gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I love it. I never thought I would like the gray. So that was a bit of a compromise in the sense of we knew it wasn't permanent. And we have both had this happen where that was a time that we would trust the other person in a particular decision or a moment, try very hard not to pressure the other person. But I'll tell you that one's hard too. We still both, both tend to pressure. I'm probably the more impatient one and he's been more patient. So I've had to really work on that. But now we are complete consensus about the paint color. And I am using very benign examples here because it's something we can all relate to. It's, it's something that won't cause a lot of conflict in a marriage. I mean, it can, but usually if those benign decisions are causing huge conflict, there's something deeper. And that's where we need to unite again, unite with Christ, unite with each other and find out what it is that is triggering us. That's a big one. And it's usually, you know, a very personal thing. God or the gods watched over until the elements obeyed. God has unlimited power, but also has the patience and honors free will. That is one of the strong elements that we are striving to learn here as well, is this idea of free will and that relationships are more important than being right or getting your way. There's also another aspect of that. I think for me, and, and it is for my husband as well, I want to make sure that my voice is heard. Even if we decide that our consensus, the decision that we make was originally 
my husband's idea, but then I feel good about it as well. After we've discussed, I always attribute it to being heard. I, I want to know that my ideas and that my hesitation, my arguments for or against something that he is actually open-minded to and considering. And one of the hacks that we have as unmarried, if I know that uh, knowing my husband's personality, there are times where I cannot just spring an idea on him. I send him an email and that gives him time to read it and process it so that when we begin to discuss it, he doesn't have that knee-jerk reaction of, what do you want to do? And then I get my feelings hurt. And, you know, it's a whole big thing because I'm sensitive. And then he apologizes. But there are a few times, not always, but when if if I feel like that he will need more emotional processing time just for us to be able to talk about an idea. And usually these are bigger ideas like getting a goat, which we don't have yet, because that's a huge thing for my husband, uh, rightly so, because he feels like, well, he's going to be the one milking this goat, and I will get tired of it. And he may have a point there. So I have not pushed that as much. I've been okay. I want to honor him. And I'm, I feel okay about that, because I know that they're thinking outside the box. I think about why do I want to go? Well, I want the goat, not just because I like animals, but because of milk to be able to make things with goat milk, such as cheese and soap. And it's actually delicious. I, I love it. If I can't have the animal, there are plenty of places in which I can purchase the milk when I so desire it, you know, when I want to make the cheese or when I want to make the soap because goat soap is amazing. This is another example of how we can come to a consensus about something. If you feel like so that you're not feeling like that you're compromising to avoid an argument or that you just can't get your way is to find a way to think outside the box and work with the situation rather than trying to put a square peg in a round hole or vice versa, is that you look at what is it that you or your spouse is really wanting and then work within that. And when you know that you've come to consensus and it's different than what you had originally thought about, i.e. getting a goat, it actually works out much better because I do not have to worry now about the additional responsibility, especially when we travel or it's a day in and day out thing. So I like that uh, the consensus we came up with, look outside the box and look, dig deep into if you're having a disagreement about something, what is it that you can dig down? What is it that you really want out of that decision or out of that proposition that you have offered your spouse. This just all ties into unity and Zion. We started this whole thing about, you know, priesthood, about ordinances. We talked about how Eve is the mother of all living. All of this within the church, without the church, we have to find a way to work with unity. We are all using the priesthood. We may not all be ordained 
sustained with the priesthood, but we are acting in the power. We have authority as women. Those of us who have been through the temple, we wear the robes of the holy priesthood. We think about the equality that we experience in the temple, that we wear those those holy garments. And this is that sense of unity. And when we have a specific leader that comes into our lives, whether it's a bishop, a Relief Society president, Sunday school president, state president, even the apostles, those are for this time only. Those are just for this earth time. The times that we use our priesthood will be permanent. The permanent callings that we have are as husband, as wife, as a woman, that is a permanent calling for me. As a man, that is a permanent calling for my husband. Our children will always be our children, no matter how how old they become. And we will always be that family unit. I just am wanting to encourage everybody to not get too tripped up on what is happening in this time in terms of leadership. Our true leader, our permanent leader will be Jesus Christ and our heavenly parents. They will always be our parents. And that is eternal calling for them. The priesthood that we are entering into when we marry in the temple, that is a permanent situation where we are commanded to be one. We are commanded to be one in Zion, to be one as a couple, equally yoked side by side. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. If you have any comments, please reach out. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe to this podcast. I would love it if you would share this podcast with your friends. You can get my book, We Are Adam, The Partnership of Adam and Eve in the Garden and What It Means for You. And I talk about about equality and in terms of priesthood and the patriarchal order and that. It is a shorter book because I wanted to get it into as many hands and not have it so deep that it would be uncomfortable for some to read in terms of, well, I don't know what she's talking about. I just wanted it for anybody, um, no matter their spiritual level, to be able to understand how cool this is and how the restoration has shown us as a people, the quality of men and women, but you can find my book, Amazon. You can get it on ebook. It's on audible. Please reach out with any comments you have. And thank you so much for joining me and have a divine day.